It's always nice to hook up some friends and have a good time. CD, The Woodlands Sessions, Quiet Kind of People. There she is playing the harp. She and her band were performing last Sunday in Modesto. I hope you guys will check them out. Meanwhile, just slowing it down for you today. St. Patrick's Day. People out there kissing Blarney Stones. I hope you have your sanitation wipes. But in the meantime, let's soothe the soul. So till you come 
So glad to be invited by Aaron Rowan to see Jillian Grassi and her band performing last Sunday over at Congregation Beth Shalom in Modesto. A really great location. They do host music every other Sunday. If you missed it, the next one is coming up in April. Got to check out their schedule. It's going to be their final one of the season. But for Sunday night this week on the 18th, don't forget to check out Moon and Sixpence on 9th Street Modesto. They've got a great lineup tonight. Uh, tomorrow night. We're going to be watching Dirty Cello again. Where Aaron finds him, I don't know. But right now he's returning on a flight from Panama. Got to introduce himself to that area with some friends and uh, can't wait to hear his stories. He's been a guest on our show before here. Helps to support MutinyRadio.fm. If you'd like to be a supporter, don't forget, hit that donate button. We came up a little shy on our last fundraiser, and we'd love to keep bringing you guys all the information that helps your world go round, all the sounds, all the talents around you that otherwise you might miss. We'd hate for that to happen. So give us a ring. Come on by. Or just go online, hit that donate button. We're going to be here as long as you let us. Uh, Meanwhile, I am just enjoying the fact that so many of my friends are checking in. There's a lot going on out there with Lucky Fest Modesto. Uh, Nobody's quite drunk enough to call me yet, so we're not going to have any drunk dials before 4 o'clock, I don't think. But they do have over 25 pubs built from the ground up to celebrate one day only 21 and up of course go get your tickets luckyfestmodesto.com and go check it out downtown modesto i hope you guys are having a rocking good time always good music always good people always good friends so knocking it out of the park we're going to be putting up some more music for you and uh 
going to start this one from the beginning. Hang on one sec. Let's hear some more from Jillian Grassi.
Give a lot of love. Julian Grassi, The Woodland Sessions. I hope you guys get any of her CDs. Check her out. Meanwhile, with a little bit of the tunes playing, I'm going to remind you, April 7th and 8th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., over 60 participating artists, Stanislaus Artist Open Studio Tour is back this spring, April 7th and 8th. Mark your calendars. Again, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. What you can do is you get the map for $10. Under 18 is free with an adult. And it has examples of the artwork from each of the artists that are going to be opening up their studios to the public. You can go to, uh, let's see, let's pick one out here. Betty Jean Reynolds still showing at 2409 Sherwood Avenue, Modesto. Watercolor pen and ink and over watercolor with touches of calligraphy. Uh, you can get more from each of these artists just by getting one of these booklets, filling out your little card, getting it dropped in for the drawing. And they actually have some specific winners, some prize selections that you can win art from going to this. Get Again, get a copy of your Stanislaus Artist Open Studio with all the maps, introductions to what types of art each of the artists will provide. Uh, there's a drawing entry form under the first cover. To enter, leave this form at any artist studio. No copies accepted. Please write clearly. And uh, this helps maintain a record of attendees in order to keep you up to date on future open studio events. And the wonderful thing about this, you enter to win one of the original artworks pictured on the cover. There's a ceramic vase by Don Hall. There's Beekman's Lavender Farm Watercolor by Barbara Gill. Headland's Path Painting by Henrietta Sparkman. Grape Leaves Photograph by Lorraine Nilsson. And the Sodalite and Silver Pendant and Earrings by Lori Sela. So there's a variety of art available. Many artists to get to know in the Stanislaus County area. Again, 62 artists participating. The booklet is only $10. You can keep it all year. You can go and meet with these artists at any given time that works for them if this weekend doesn't work for you. And remember to support the arts. So... Part of the participating sponsors of this event, Missling Gallery, Central California Art Association, where they have art exhibitions, art education, and a community of artists. They have a 2018 show schedule, including some art students shows coming up. If you haven't seen the ones that started March 6th, they go through March 24th. Check it out. Rhythm of the Arts from 327 through 427. Plain Air Exposition is in May through June 1st. Summer Splash Member Show, June 5th through July 6th. Celebration of Fiber Arts, July 10th through October, oh wait, sorry, August 3rd. Autumn Art Festival, August 14th through October 5th. Healing Journey is October 9th through November 9th. And home for the holidays, it's always a great one to have, especially if you're looking for gifts for people. Begins November 13th, goes through December 21st. CCAA is a nonprofit, 501c3 corporation. Donations always welcome. That's with Miss Lynn Gallery. 
Central California Arts Association calls it home at 1015 J Street, Modesto. And you can get information from them at ccaagallery.org. Open Tuesday through Friday, 1130 to 5, Saturdays 12 to 4. Also supporting for the Stanislaus County Artist Open Studio Tour would be the Chartreuse Muse Gallery and Art School. You can go to thechartreusemuse.com for information on their events. Modesto has a world-class art, culture, and entertainment destination. For a complete list of all the amazing things happening in Modesto, check out www.visitmodesto.com. Visit Modesto also at 1000 L Street, Modesto, or call 209-526-5588. Lots of support in the community. Also, very glad to have Shelton Lee Flooring, Inc. and Traywin Framery at 5170 Pentecost Drive, Suite 1, Modesto. Uh, they have showroom hours as well as all types of finished floors. SheltonLeeFlooring.com for your flooring needs. So glad to see that they are supporting the arts. And Chella, the plein air artwork, is going to be there. So uh, just a really warm, welcoming event. It includes, even outside of Modesto, you have Oakdale, you have Escalon. Artists from all over Stanislaus County participating in this event. If it's in ceramics, painting, jewelry, you name it. If they can create it, it will be there. Red Tie Arts is doing great things for the Modesto area. Winter concert series in Luca Winery's Barrel Room. Summer concert series on the greens at Ripon's Luca Winery. All designed to fund our mission of helping underserved, talented children realize their artistic dreams. Go to www.redtiearts.org. Nonprofit organization exploring, celebrating, supporting, and presenting the arts. All this information is available for a $10 booklet. I'm just saying there's no reason to miss out on the jewelry, the fine art, the experience of getting out into your community and finding out what the artists out there have that can help brighten your life and make it more beautiful. Don't forget Turlock Carnegie Arts Center also is involved. The galleries with changing art exhibitions, music, theater, film, poetry, and more. Creative classes for children and adults. Gift shop featuring works by local artisans. Unique facility rentals for special occasions. Great membership benefits located in historic downtown Turlock. You can get more information by calling at 209-632-5761. Stop by their location at 250 North Broadway in Turlock, California. Or email for information at carnegieartsturlock.org. Another nonprofit, they do have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Check them out.
looking for more information supporting the Stanislaus Artist Open Studio Tour. You can find them on Facebook.com slash Stanislaus, S-T-A-N-I-S-L-A-U-S, A-O-S for Artist Open Studio, slash stanislaus.aos.wordpress.com or you can email openstudio.stanislaus at gmail.com I know many times and And we're on wait are we on? our old old setup what? I hear music (laughs) okay there we go it was a CD it was uh I had a I, I have a CD on there for uh, dead air purposes, and I think it was just a little too loud. It was a uh, Courtney Love rocking it. Oh, why is your mic not working? Oh, is it not working? There we go. You just weren't talking into. Wait, <laughs> do it again. How come I can't hear you? Maybe wait. Maybe it's. I think it's honestly the headphones. Yeah. Can you can you turn on the the overhead? Sorry, people. Technical difficulties here at Muni Radio, but we are sounds from the street. Um, I can't hear you, but I I think it might also be my headphones. I'm not sure. I can hear you like a little bit. How about this one? Oh yeah, I can hear you at that one. Yeah. Good. It could be like. No, you know what I mean? I, I th- you know what I think is they switched the actual mics. Because that's two. I can hear you. Oh, is it? it? Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Da, 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 da. There we go. Now I can hear I'll you. I'll just sit over here. <laughs> uh, we never know what's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. At any moment, a tornado can come and just destroy us all, and uh, Mutiny Radio would be no more, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But at least we have the memories. I kept watching the the video yesterday from Anthony Bourdain because sometimes, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I get nostalgic and miss oh, yeah. how things were. But then when I see the person that Anthony was interviewing, yeah. then I don't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just uh, get to the good parts. Right. Just skip skip over uh, monkeys. Right. Mon- you know, shit show. The cafe was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, not that I'm not, I don't like the gallery, but it, it was nice to have because it felt more homely. Yeah. In here, mm-hmm. I felt it was easier to to draw people in. You know, yeah, just walking by. I feel. Plus, if you ever feel like a little mm, a little tired, you need a little pick me up. You know, get uh, maple, bacon maple. Uh, what was it? Latte? A bacon maple latte. I made a few anarchiados. Oh. When I first started, um, I think I told you I used to work in the cafe when yeah. I was an mm-hmm. intern. You interned, yeah. And I w- I was on two different shows, and then I worked Friday. They put me in the Friday spot, which is the busiest time. So that was that was a learning experience. <laughs> you were a waitress and I a slave. A Just kidding. <laughs> um, I worked during Diamond Dave's show, and he would always be bringing in um, a very popular show as many people as he possibly could. And I tried to do the same thing at yeah. one point, but I, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to be like that all the time. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it was, it was a good starting point and there was nobody really doing anything like that back then. Yeah. Yeah. Now a lot of radio stations have popped up and, and and are doing their own thing, um, on their own way. But I don't think, 
you know, Radio Valencia, and I don't think FCC Free and uh, Best Frequencies Forever would exist if it wasn't for for uh, PCR Collective Muni Radio. Absolutely. Mm. And um, thank God for Pam Benjamin keeping it all together. Yeah. Still yes, here. Yes, we salute you, Pam, every goddamn day. <laughs> <laughs> we hear you. Seriously. Um, yeah, I mean, she, she only started like a few weeks before I did, but she was also on Diamond Dave show, I remember. One of her friends passed away. Um, and that was kind of, that was one of our first bonding moments, I remember, even way back then. And now her cat passed away. Yeah, so kitty. sad, little Spike. R.I.P. Uh, I hope you're doing okay. <laughs> See you soon. Yeah. <laughs> we'll bump into her. Say hi to Anthony for us. <laughs> and Kate as well. Yes, and Kate. Um, I finally made that switch from my Betsy Johnson to the Kate Spade. Yeah. I put it. Get a pay tribute somehow. Yeah. I saved it for, you know, a moment. Unfortunately, it was a bad moment. But, you know, um, yeah, it's it's a hard time for people right now, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I I think uh, in general, statistics show that it's been going up um, in the last 10 years. this is, of course, suicide rates, but, um, I, you know, it, it's also kind of been in, in a positive way, in a positive turn, people are talking more about it, and I think that that really does help. Right. Um, you got more resources, and and um, and it's not taboo to n- talk about your feelings. At least we're trying to m- normalize it to try to talk things for us to. it's always normal but. yeah we're just emotional people but if you are having um you know you, you you think you need some help there is a line you can reach uh at national suicide prevention hotline at 1-800-273-8255 again that's 1-800-273-8255 good thing i had that handy <laughs> yeah um but again it's uh we're gonna go ahead and, and talk about our music news and we will talk about anthony as well Absolutely. Um, should I start reading this story? Yeah, sure. Since we are already there. Oh, maybe if I don't click on things, I'm not supposed to. Um, Iggy Pop, Questlove, LP, Obama, more remember Anthony Bourdain. Um, quoting, I feel so thankful for him for introducing me to a world I never knew. End quote by Questlove. Artists are paying tribute to the chef, Anthony Bourdain, who was found dead this morning in France. This is from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends, collaborators, and contemporaries, including Barack Obama, Iggy Pop, Questlove, LP, Tegan and Sarah, Lin-Manuel Miranda, John Laurie, Heems, Third Man Records, and more have written messages on social media, mm-hmm. quoting, I feel so thankful for him to introduce me to the world I never knew. Mm-hmm. Um, many of those morning wording call me called for awareness about depression and warning signs, directing anyone who needs help towards the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. There's a really long, I'm not going to read it, but it's a really long and emotional quote Mm -hmm. from Questlove on his Instagram. Mm -hmm. Iggy Pop says, message from Iggy, I am in shock having heard that Anthony Wardane has passed away. I love that guy, and he was the light of kindness and good advice in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Barack Obama said, low plastic stool, cheap but delicious noodles. 
cold Hanoi beer. This is how I remember Tony. He taught us about food, but more importantly, about his ability to bring us together, to make us a little less afraid of the unknown. We'll miss him. Um, LP, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. Deacon and Sarah said, I love watching Anthony Bourdain talk, eat crazy food, laugh and drink with people from all over the world. It was a comfort to hear his voice, and it was I was in a hotel room late at night, channel surfing. Very sad, but grateful for the 61 years that we've been doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Third Man Records tweeted, an intellectual rec- on tour, kind soul. He was the real as they come. Um, you can read all this. There's a bunch by uh, Yondo, uh, Lemon and Miranda, uh, and um all these other people queens of the stone age mm-hmm. um damn it tony i'm so sorry i was so destroyed i love my brother i miss you so much already in my love and condolences to Ariane and Ativia. Mm-hmm. so this is out of pitchfork.com mm-hmm. and like we were saying i mean he's he's been here to the station yeah. and, um and he, like many people we you know find places that we would have never thought to go to mm-hmm. that we would have never thought they existed if it weren't for Anthony mm-hmm. and it was his his sly wit and you know his um, willingness to you know be open with people about you know things that maybe others wouldn't be so open about I think that's what maybe draws people in um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I mean I think he had a lasting positive impact hopefully he'll be remembered for the legacy and not for you know the unfortunate tragedy of of losing him and kate spade as well she left behind you know her her legacy as as well and it's you know it continued even when she wasn't involved with it anymore yeah so um yeah it's just it's a it's a shame that people who contributed so much um you know felt that maybe there just wasn't anything else left to give anymore that makes sense yeah I wonder if if that you know might make sense of it all I mean there really is no making sense of it but you know from a a fellow individual who's you know had her moments of anxiety and and depression and you know wondering where to find meaning there's always going to be you know tough times and trying things that happen in your life but hopefully we'll make it through yeah (laughs) we have to be we have to be positive and we have to enjoy uh every day every moment that we have which is why I never sleep or rest (laughs) (laughs) that's like anything you need to sleep but um I think I was I definitely felt like I was, you know, influenced by him these these past few years mm-hmm. watching the show in in particular just out of out of sheer habit because unfortunately there's there's not a lot of good things on on cable these days. Mm-hmm. Um there are a lot of reality TV shows, but there was something about his show that was real. Yeah. I mean there were I mean all of it was felt like it was real. Um unscripted i want to say all of it was unscripted right yeah yeah i mean i i don't imagine a lot of the things he said were scripted (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I don't think he would have he would have been down with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, rest rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, so I guess um, in music news, uh, Lily Allen released her her latest album uh, yesterday. And she's already dealing with tabloid trolls. Um, they can say as much as they want, but I'm still smiling. Uh, Lily Allen has spoken out against tabloid journalists who attack her for voicing her opinion on social and political issues. The singer spoke to Enemy on the release day of her new album, No Shame. During the chat, Enemy asked why she feels the tabloids are so are still so obsessed with her. I think they like to make an example out of me because I like to spark conversation, and that's scary for those people. They want to control what people think. They don't want people making their minds up for themselves. And the things I like to talk about outside of music are the things that are usually talked about by middle-aged white men in crap suits on the news. <laughs> so when someone such a great coat, yeah. So when someone who's younger and relatable is talking about those things in a language people can understand, that's threatening for them, I think. Alan is often criticized for her outspoken nature, having previously been dropped from Newsnight following her comments about Grenfell. With the torrent of abuse, I, I remember when that happened, with the torrent of abuse she receives after such comments, Alan says that it's always been worth it to speak about issues that she's passionate about. I think as long as I feel strong enough to take the blows, it's quite empowering. They can say as much as they want, but I'm still smiling and I've got a roof over my head and I'm having a laugh on stage performing to my fans. I hope that people think fair play to her. She said this and they've come back at her, but we can see through that and she's fine so maybe it is okay for us to express our opinions and have a take on things you know rather than thinking oh look lily said this and they've gone for her and she's fallen apart so we shouldn't join in the conversation either yep so i think you know over the years she's probably you know had her fair share of oh god yeah stuff yeah, especially um, with that stalker. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. That was rough. The stalker and then, you know, people judging her for, um, you know, when she was having, like, a miscarriage, like, publicly putting it out there. Yeah. Not just one, but, like, two. Yeah. And, you know, I think at a certain point, it's okay to, like, not post your whole life on, on Instagram or social media, and it's okay to, like... yeah. But I think also if you're like a public person and, and it shouldn't be expected of you, but it is, you have, you know, you, you have the right to choose to do that. And, and if you do choose to be public about personal stuff, I don't think you should be criticized for it either. You know, it's like you're criticized, like, fuck you if you don't, fuck you if you do, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. there's no happy medium with, with celebrities. Kat Von D, for instance. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's on top of the world right now. Yeah. So you know yeah people are gonna judge you no matter what yeah some people are maybe that's the thing with social media is people are always gonna have an opinion it's just up to you you know whether you want to you know you want to fall into the trap or if you want to disconnect from it right it's um, all up to you guys yeah <laughs> Yeah, even if you're not a celebrity, it, it mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, not at the scale that a, a celebrity or a public person. I started would. a fight. Did I tell you? Oh, you did. I started. It was do tell. Fight. It was a fake fight because it was on, it was on social media. But there was an article on consequence of sound when Trump 
was um, holding that, you know, celebrating America thing, but he couldn't sing the songs correctly. Oh, yeah. So I was like, when are we going to impeach this fraud? Yeah. Just, that's just what Uh, came to my mind. Yeah. Sure enough, somebody starts, like, responding to it, and I was going to respond, and then I was like, nah, I'm just going to leave it. Yeah. See what happens. So somebody stepped in, like, for me and started responding to them like what about bill clinton and Bo-? like they were totally going yeah. off topic but i was like oh so that's how that happens oh, yeah okay. yeah <laughs> so it was like it was you entertaining. started a troll fight it was entertaining yeah. for me i wasn't really it was more of a you instigated it but you weren't like putting it yeah it was more of a rhetorical question like i know i'm not the only one that's thinking this yeah and sure enough people were looking at it like yeah like i agree with her or you know <laughs> yeah. she's she's talking some sense yeah <laughs> plus who are you to follow consequences down and not like oh they know. were saying like oh it's a tuesday i think it was like tuesday yeah. she's like i'm a stay-at-home mom i'm not working today or yeah. something like that yeah. and the guy's like Ivanka's looking real good right now. <laughs> what the, the fuck? Oh my god. Oh, that was great. Trolls are awesome. Um, Led Zeppelin celebrate 50th anniversary with career spanning illustrated book, the 400 page book, Jesus, which includes previously unpublished photos, arises October. Robert Plant recently told us that it would be a disservice to Led Zeppelin fans if the legendary rockers to ever reunite on stage again, but that hasn't stopped them from teaming up to um, for other pursuits. One of the band's official Twitter accounts yesterday, surviving members of Plant, Jimmy Page, and John Paul Jones announced a new book they helped create and honored Led Zeppelin 50th anniversary called Led Zeppelin by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> uh, the 400-page illustrated home details the band's vast history in between photographs and the core members on and off stage in candid moments and in recording studio many of these photos are previously unpublished and will adorn the pages alongside artwork from led zeppelin's archives uh however plant was not interested in discussing led zeppelin despite the fact the band's celebrating its 50th anniversary this year um, asked if he could see himself recording with Jimmy Page ever again. Plan responded, I don't know if I, I have no idea. It's not even within my continents or to imagine it really. Plant added that his fears, another, he fears another reunion would be dis- a disservice to the band's fans. Well, that's like your opinion. Uh, the announcement came with a rare current day photo of the trio holding the book. You can check it out below. This is not a consequence of sound. Um, you could pre-order it uh, as well on the link below the article, and there they are, uh, fucking uh, <laughs> Robert Plant looking awkward as hell, but he's holding it <laughs> like a baby. Just think of the money they could make. I'm surprised yeah. that that wouldn't be enough, but then I'm not surprised because it's like they've done it. You yeah, know, they've done it. Yeah, it's maybe it's to- done. It's overdone. I mean, it's like Pink Floyd doing their reunions. Like each person, each member of Pink Floyd did a reunion tour, but they weren't doing it together. Yeah. It was really weird. Um, but what else? <laughs> Whatever floats their boat. I mean, I'm sure people are going to pay money to see one or all four. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. 
Well, speaking of reunions, well, it's not really a reunion. Peter Hook is doing his own version of Joy Division New Order material, and then there's New Order, New Order, <laughs> doing their interpretation of it. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> for a tour? <laughs> well, just in general. Oh, shit. But, yeah. um, well, they've been doing that for a while. Yeah, they've been doing it for a while, but there's, I mean, I've interviewed Peter many times in the past, and he always hinted that you never know, we could get back together. But it hasn't happened yet, so maybe, you know, he's been doing it for a while now, doing Peter Hook in the Light, and, I mean, he's not disappointing anyone. So far, the only uh, reunion they have is at uh, Doug Martin's. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which leads me to the story. Um, You can buy Joy Division and New Order Dr. Martin's on... um, online the new designs uh, feature artwork from records like unknown pleasures and power corruption and lies um closer is actually my favorite um dr martins have unveiled three new boot designs that feature joy division and new order artwork all three designs appear on the brand's classic 1460 boot which the official website calls the original dr martins (laughs) boot Uh, Only one of Joy Division's two albums are represented with a pair of boots featuring the pulsar wave lines from the cover on their sides and toes. New Order's 1989 album Technique and 1983's Power, Corruption, and Lies have also been given the DM's treatment with the the former pink and purple boot and the latter black with the record's flowers covering the lower half. Dr. Martin's website describes the Joy Division boots as explosive, raw, and intense, much like the sound of the band. The Technique boots, meanwhile, are said to represent the hedonism of the time. The artwork on all three of the boots uh, was designed by Peter Seville. The boots are available online now and cost $155. Uh, Currently, they do not appear on the UK Dr. Martin's website. Meanwhile, last year, New Order and former Joy Division bassist Peter Hook discussed his views on Manchester's current music scene. I think for the first time, I would have to admit that Manchester has lost its way a bit musically. He told Enemy, it's up to me as the ambassador to plug the good bits, to plug the good bits until the great bits come along. (laughs) There are a lot of great bands from Manchester because of them. Yeah. That's true. They they kind of put Manchester in the map for post-punk, um, just music in general. But, um, you know, when people think of Manchester, they think of New Order, Joy Division, yeah. Buzzcocks, Happy Mondays. You know, go down the... Stone Roses were from there, too, right? Stone Roses. Yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of great bands. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I won't be going there this year, unfortunately. I was thinking about it. So expensive. There's always next year. <laughs> yeah. There's always uh, whenever money comes around. Yeah, that too. All right. So I th- uh, we have two interviews that we're going to air today. Uh, one of them I did with um, our longtime friend of the show, Zach Bateman. He's going to be opening for Fantastic Negrito on Friday at the Fillmore. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a big deal for him and for us as well. Um, so we're going to go ahead and play that interview first. And then tonight, if you're going to be in San Francisco, you'll want to go to the rickshaw stop to catch uh, Lydia Lynch. She's part of the uh, infamous no-wave scene in New York 
city. Hopefully I don't get hate from wearing my I Love New York shirt, but um, I thought it was only appropriate. <laughs> oh, that's why. Um, <laughs> considering, you know, losing Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain and then going to, you know, support someone that's, you know, was so um, influential. And she clearly explains to me in the interview that No Wave was very different from punk, from, you know, Debbie Harry um, and some of the other stuff that was going on. So I was like, oh, like I learned a lot from yeah. just talking to her She's on the phone. She's a teacher. She she real teacher me. and a mentor. Yeah, <laughs> she put some things in perspective. Yeah. Let's just say that. <laughs> but um, anyways, so without further ado, um, let's go ahead and hear um, what Zach Bateman has to say. With me? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Woohoo! How's your Friday going so far? Going pretty good, pretty good. I mean, despite the the Anthony Bourdain news, um, aside mm-hmm. from that, everything's pretty good. I, I'm, uh, you know, his his passing actually has been kind of a fuel for me to finish more of my book. So I've been working on that for most of the day. Absolutely, and it's and it's funny how people associate him as as a chef, but he kind of he kind of brought in and, and changed his whole perspective and the way he, he does things over, you know, the course of his career. So, well, I yeah, like he, I, I, mm-hmm. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say he's more of like a cultural anthropologist to me. Yeah. And I always, I always yeah. viewed him more of a journalist and lover of food than a straight up chef. Like I know he got to start as a chef and cooking and, just writing about how fucked up the kitchen was that he worked in and stuff. But like, you know, um, just the way that he progressed, he, he really became this like punk rock icon of, you know, the world. And mm-hmm. yeah, there was a lot of food in there too, you know, <laughs> a lot of delicious food. Um, I was just talking to my mom about the episode. Maybe you've seen it where he goes to Koreatown in Los Angeles. Oh, and yeah, yeah. The, the guy, and you think, oh, he's going to bring him to, like, you know, this hole-in-the-wall place, which he, he does eventually, but the first place they go to is the Sizzler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's funny because I actually, I stayed in Koreatown, and, and um, last year when I went to, uh, when we toured in L.A., and uh, I was totally thinking about that episode and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, stuff that you would never, you know, think of or dream of, um, you know, he made it possible or at least yeah. made you think it was possible. So, yeah. But anyways, um, tell us a little bit more about what you've been working on. And you have an upcoming show opening for Fantastic Negrito at the Fillmore next Friday. Yes, I do. And it's uh, the reality is sinking in and it's, <laughs> it's really trippy. Um but yeah, so I'm uh I've been working on a lot of random stuff, you know, and now that I've kind of switched over things with um you know, band lineups and stuff, it's kind of more free flowing, so like I'm sitting on a lot of different projects right now, like I'm sitting on like a full like hip hop album that I don't know when that's going to see the light of day. I'm working on a comedy special thing that I filmed a couple weeks ago at Independent Brewery. And I'm also um, writing my book finally. And, uh, yeah, it's just a whole lot of stuff. Uh, Most recently, I put out a song called uh, Confetti in My Blood on 
band camp, uh, which was just like a fun thing I recorded in a shed with a banjo. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's 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 been that. And then uh, yeah, the Fillmore is coming up next Friday, and I'll be opening for uh, just one of the coolest people I've ever known and met. Like Fantastic Negrito is awesome. There's there's no other words that I can think of to express how cool that guy is. That's awesome. And he won a Grammy last year, is that right? Yeah, yeah, for an album called Last Days of Oakland. And mm-hmm. um it's it's an amazing album. It's kind of like a chronicling of just what's going on in the Bay Area today. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but it, it it has kind of a timeless value while still being super relevant and poignant. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. So I actually, you know, I actually got to know him from working on the documentary I was working on, Underground Under Review. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he did an interview in that. And then from there, like, we just kind of became friends and, he had me do some promo videos for him. I played guitar on a, a track on his upcoming album that'll be released at the Fillmore. And uh yeah, it's 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 kinda trippy to think about. <laughs> it's um it's like your dreams are becoming a reality. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's uh the the craziest part is that, you know, the Fillmore was the dream. Uh, for me, I I I didn't really plan for anything beyond that uh, because my first ever concert, the first concert I ever saw was um, a artist called Howard Jones um, uh, from the '80s, and I went to see him. I think it was like 2001. Uh, my family took me to go see him, and you know they were huge fans, and I like knew a little bit of his stuff, but uh, it was like a lot of poppy '80s stuff. But you know, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went to the Fillmore and it was just like just something about the room and something about the place. And I don't really like, I mean, at the time I didn't really know why I wanted to perform there because I wasn't playing music yet. I just knew that I wanted to perform there. <laughs> and uh, so that was one of the big goals, one of the motivators for me to start making music was to eventually play the Fillmore. And now here we are, like, almost 20 years later, and now I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do after. <laughs> I can I can think of a few venues, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's like, you know, once that's on the resume, I, I don't know how people go back to, like, oh, can, can you let me play the Story Club? I've played the Fillmore, but... I need to play here. You know, like I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what. Hopefully, bigger venues happen from it. But if not, I'll have done that thing I've been trying to do for years. Absolutely. Um, can you tell us a little bit more um, about what we can expect from the live performance in terms of maybe your lineup? Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. It's going to be a really short set um, because I think they have an opener. So the way this came about was uh, 
you know, um, Fantastic's manager, uh, Field, a uh, great guy. Um, but he, um, he and I were talking, and I was like, I didn't see anything booked for the Bay Area yet for their for their tour that that they're on. And I was like, Hey, Field, you know, let me book you guys somewhere, and like we could do like, you know, we could do something really gritty and like punk rock because, um, you know, if you haven't listened to Fantastic and Greedo's music, it's all sorts of genres. It's a wide variety of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's all about his punk rock and he's all about the Bay Area, but he, he hasn't played Gilman. So that was my suggestion was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. let me get you guys at Gilman and kind of bridge the gap because I think you fucking rock that place. And they were like, oh, that's a cool idea, but Fantastic has a show at the Fillmore. Um, so we don't want to take away from that. And I was mm-hmm. like, he's got a show at the Fillmore. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, hey, what's up? And just kind of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, we would, you know, we would love to have you play, but, you know, and unfortunately, uh, we don't know if there's going to be enough time and this and that. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I sent my defeat letter, which was, you know, okay, well, you know, no worries. Like, I totally understand, but if you guys have any room, like, because, the Fillmore has a place called the Poster Room inside of the Fillmore where right. bands play in between the acts on the main stage. So, mm-hmm. you know, worst comes to worst, I play the Poster Room. That's cool. I'm totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, so if, you know, I could do that, even that would be cool. And 10 minutes later, he gives me a call and he's like, yeah, so Fantastic wants you to play the main stage. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to have to squeeze you in, unfortunately, because it was, you know, pre-booked. Um, but we'd love to have you do like a quick sit. So we're going to be doing like, I don't know, like 15 to 20 minutes. And, um, you know, I mean, that's, you know, when you're on stage, that's, that feels like an hour. So that's totally fine with me, but, um, you know, uh, and it's going to be kind of a different setup. Like, it's it's always changing, and it's always rotating, the lineups that I have now. So sometimes it could be a full band of, like, you know, six people. Sometimes it can be a, um, you know, me with, like, some backing hip-hop tracks. Like, sometimes it could just be me, uh, guitar, and just kicking a kick drum, doing a one-man band kind of thing. Uh, this is going to be kind of a mixture of all that stuff. So it's going to be a little more lively. It's going to be, uh, you know, kind of what we're going for is an event uh, since it's something like the Fillmore. So, you know, we're going to put on all of our theatrics, you know, the old skull makeup and stuff that we used to do. Um, we're going to be, you know, blowing confetti all over the place or whatever. Woo-hoo! We're just going to be... We're just going to be going crazy with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so people people can expect, you know, a fun 15 to 20 minutes from us and then an amazing hour and a half or whatever from Fantastic Negrito. Nice. And, it's, you know, you've probably been to many shows like I have at the Fillmore, and every one of them is different. But in their yeah. own way, it's really something special. Yeah, and, you know, it's that... That place, I mean, not only does it hold such a high value for me due to it being the the first concert venue I ever attended, 
but it's also just um it's also just a uh i don't know a great venue with a lot of great acts oh give me give me one second you know, i gotta yep. remind somebody of, a, of an alarm <laughs> sorry about that my mom's a faker and oh no way has, like, i'm i'm gonna... at her oh yeah yeah I was gonna yeah, say yeah. they better get to it. They better remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, alarm just went off for like some baked goods. We're we're um, gonna be doing them over at the fireside tonight. And I actually we convinced her to do uh, bourbon bacon cupcakes for uh, oh, that's and, you a good know, combo. Yeah, and you know I'm I'm like super vegan, but like yeah, I mean when it comes to Anthony, like he he needs his bacon in the afterlife. <laughs> there you go. Or the in Pirate Cat's case, it's um, re- re- refined bacon. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, part of the, the back and forth between um, the guy who used to run Pirate Cat Radio and Anthony Bourdain was the fact that you're still selling bacon, even if it's refined bacon, but you're supposed yeah. to be a vegan cafe. but. Nonetheless, it was um it was a very entertaining two minutes, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so where can people uh, find out more about you online? What would be the best site to to um, for? Yeah, definitely um Instagram, uh Facebook, uh I you know, I'm not boasting or anything, but I'm pretty Googleable nowadays. Uh if you put in Zach Bateman, you find like I so for my own vanity, a lot of the time I search, you know, how many pages is until it gets to some random dude that like, does sports in Iowa or whatever. And uh, it's good, like it's good, like nine to ten pages that are just me. So I'm I'm kind of proud of that. Um, but yeah, so you can you know Bandcamp. Um, yeah, people just search Zach Bateman. It's it's totally it's it's pretty easy and. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool. I'm I'm really excited. Super exciting. I'm trying to remember. I haven't been to the Fillmore in a while, so. The last band that I actually saw there, I think, was The Faint in like 2010, and oh, uh, wow. yeah, and that was a great show. But the the one that I I saw, I think, one of the concerts that I saw there because I've seen a bunch. But one of the concerts that that I saw that really really stuck with me was um, was a band called Peeping Tom, and uh, it was one of Mike Patton's projects. Mike Patton from like Faith No More and Mr. Bungle and Phantom Offs and stuff. Uh, he had this project with uh, like Dan the Automator and um, who else was a part of it? I think uh, Butterscotch, the the beatboxer from the Bay Area. And uh, there was a full band backing them. That was just like the whole show was amazing. Like they they did all their songs, but just his stage presence and like each each member of the band would get like a solo. So Butterscotch got like you know heard ten minutes just doing awesome like beatboxing while singing at the same time. Uh, Patton got his like acapella where he was doing. I think he was singing Roy Orbison's Crying, but in Italian. Um, Uh Yeah, and, like, 
yeah, it was just you know, it was such an epic show. And they covered uh, Across 110th Street by Bobby Womack. And uh, that was one of those shows that stuck with me where I was like, okay, well, if I ever play here, it's got to be, I got to be like on my game like that. So, you know, um, I'm trying to set up like, you know, having my vocal coach help me in the, in the backstage area and stuff and just like, you know, just being as legit as possible and, and not fucking up this 15 to 20 minutes that's been built up. You know, <laughs> it's your think of it as your 15 minutes of fame, right? Quite literally, my 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. I'm very grateful. Um, it's it's been like a long. You know, the funny thing is too that I've I've had conversations with people who won the film war before, mm-hmm. and when I was really young and I was in my hip hop group. And uh, I would send, like, EPKs to, like, people, and, you know, I I pretty much, I wouldn't get laughed at, but to a certain degree, it would be like, no, like, yeah, that's not happening, you know, so for it to actually be happening is, is quite a trip. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, and I remember those days. I think that's when we met, right? Yeah, yeah. And when I was when I was still uh doing uh the hip hop group when I was still in Spirits in the Basement. And uh yeah, and it's funny cuz I've been been hanging out with uh some of those some of those guys again and we're like we're like secretly working on some some more hip hop projects like just on the side just just something to have fun with, so that'll be interesting. Wow! So it seems like your, you know, your career is is taking off, and you're not limiting yourself either to just one type of, you know, project. You're pretty much keeping an open mind, so that's that's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there was a band that I was in for the for the longest time, and and you met you met some of them, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> the. The thing, the thing with that band was it was very confined, and if you know anything switched up at any point, like you know certain members would be like, oh well, um, that doesn't really fit our style, or I don't, I don't really dig that, or you know, and it just, I don't know, with with me when it comes to creativity and when it comes to inspirations, I try to draw from anywhere, mm-hmm. and you know, I I feel like. I feel like a lot of people try to be original and try to just kind of like fixate on their style. And I think the best way to actually be original is to not be original and just take from as many genres and styles as possible. And then you create this thing that's this amalgamation of, oh, that's a little bit of this guy. Oh, that's a little bit of, you know, this, like, Oh, that's a little bit of Tom Waits, but that's a little bit of Wu Tang Clan. Like what? You know, like it it just makes something refreshing, I feel. Right. And that that's that's what I'm trying to do, is just make something that's refreshing, that that's inspired by everything. Very organic and true. Yeah. Yeah, like sometimes I'm I'm also on the side, uh, my boss who um who runs an awesome store called Feathered Outlaw in Alameda, uh, which which you've been to. Um, yeah. But I loved it. it uh, 
Yes, her cousin is actually a singer, a uh, songwriter, and he's, you know, he does uh, what, what they call outlaw country. And it's, it's like kind of Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, you know, kind of boozy, ballsy, badass stuff. And, like, I think he and I are probably going to start working together soonish. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I mean, yeah, I, where people say they like everything and they draw from everything, they usually leave certain things out because of stigmas. You know, a lot of people don't draw from country because they're like, oh, con- all country is Garth Brooks. It's like, no, that's not true. <laughs> like, you know, there's Merle Haggard, there's Willie Nelson, there's like some awesome people that are, you know, that shouldn't be pinholed to the stigma that comes with their their style, you know. But, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just drawing from everything that I possibly can. Great. Do you know what time you're going to be taking the stage at the Fillmore? Uh, yeah, I believe the show starts at 9, mm-hmm. and we are first up. So, what I'm considering this is we are the hype man. <laughs> We're the... Mm-hmm. We're the ampers, I think. You know, we're the we're the ones that are gonna come out and like just get people fucking jazz to be there for the rest <laughs> of the night. And you know, we'll we'll come out and we'll we'll get people's adrenaline going and then we'll go back and all contemplate the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know you'll be playing Mountain View or Concord. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like the Oracle Arena or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. What yeah, about the Fox? Would you ever play the Fox Theater? Oh, oh, hell yeah, yeah. That would be, that would be awesome. Well, the thing about the thing about the Fox is that, much like the Fillmore, it still retains, like you could have thousands of people in there, but it still retains a sense of intimacy, mm-hmm. and. You know, when I think about, like, big arenas and stuff, like, I don't, like, I would never say no, but I don't know if that's for me, you know, because, like, I like, I like, when I go to a concert, like, I want to know that I could, I could get somewhat close, you know, like, I want it to be an event, but I still want to be able to know that the person that I'm seeing is a human being, whereas I feel like when you go to, like, you know, certain arenas or amphitheaters or something, it's like, you know, you're watching something that looks like it's the size of an ant because you're in the far-off bleachers and you spent, you know, $200 to see it. And it's like, you know, oh, that was cool. But at the same time, you're also thinking like, oh, well, I could have watched this on YouTube. You know, like, yeah. so it takes a certain venue to really pull you into the moment. And, um, like, I was, I was looking at tickets for... Uh, Childish Gambino for Donald Glover, and I was, I was really excited about that. And then I saw they were like, you know, $150 for bleacher seats, and I was like, no, that's okay, I'm good. Um, oh so, like, you know, there's give and take with venues like that. Of course, you know, you have bands like Metallica that when you put them into a, a small place like, you know, the Fillmore or something, it's awesome because it's such a rare occasion because containing a band like Metallica to a smallish stage like the Fillmore is is crazy talk, you know, because they're used to 
you know, pyrotechnics everywhere and giant balls flying from the ceiling and, you know, <laughs> crazy shit like that. Yeah. So, you know, but, uh, I mean, it's nothing I, I, I would ever say no to, of course, like I said, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about things like the film one. Hopefully it does open up opportunities like places like Fox theater, or, you know, um, you know, when, when else is there? I'm like, I'm trying to say like the Warfield or something, you know, something yeah. that's attainable and, and intimate, but it's still an event, you know. Absolutely, and it's almost. Do you ever feel like it's almost like you're trying to have a conversation with someone in the audience? Like you want them to be engaged, and you don't want it to be, you know, you don't want it to be like, oh, I could have watched this on YouTube, like you were just in. Yeah, yeah, totally, and you know. Um, and it's the same thing with, honestly, I feel the same way about, because, you know, I do stand-up comedy on the side every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with that where I'm like, and when I watch Kevin Hart, the uh, Kevin Hart special, not that I would in the past, like, five years, uh, but, uh, like, when, when I would watch Kevin Hart special, I would be like, that's just too big. It's too big a venue for for a comedy show. Like, that doesn't make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. But then... Mm-hmm. You know, you watch Marin, Mark Marin in some, like, some little, like, 100-person room, and and it's an amazing, an amazing show, you know? So, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Like, you know, you want to you wanna be able to look people in the eye, you know? At least for me, <laughs> I, I like doing that. <laughs> you can point them out while they're in the audience, and then you can bring them on stage. But when you when you yeah. play the next show at the film at the Fox Theater, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, there's uh, who is it playing? I think the Distillers are playing there in yeah. September, and I'm totally trying to snag tickets for that. So yes, yeah. I did buy a ticket for that one. <laughs> nice, nice. I was I was shocked number one, but then I was like, well, it's about time. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I had I had tickets for them in Santa Ana, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, and we ended up not going because um, like I just I had just gone through like a lot of like bad anxiety and and panic disorder stuff, and so yeah. like I really I didn't want to handle like the drive and the heat and like everything, so we we kind of. Uh, we canceled those, and then we found out that they're playing Oakland, and I was like, "Oh, thank God! Like, I didn't, I didn't miss that, you know? Like, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah." But um, but yeah, and and I, I feel like the Fillmore is one of those things that's definitely gonna kind of kick my anxiety's ass. <laughs> yes, it's gonna be a great show, and um, people should get there early rather than. Oh later. yeah, definitely. Yeah, probably. Well, the thing with Fantastic is uh, he's going to pack the place for sure. So anybody who's listening or anybody who's trying to go, definitely get there as early as you can. We saw him at um, the day after the documentary that uh, I filmed was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played the UC Theater, and he and his advisors were like, hey, you should you know, come to the show. We'll put you on the list. And so we went to the UC Theater to see him, and it was it was crazy. There's so many people there, and it was so cool just to, like, 
just to witness that and see him do his thing and the the place like that is man, is is crazy. Insane. And it's gonna be happening again next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the reality is sinking in because uh, I just got mm-hmm. like we just finalized our stage plot and everything and I'm just like, Oh shit, that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. And it was great chatting with you, as always. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me and stuff. And I'll uh, I'll be on uh, again eventually, hopefully. <laughs> yes, yes, we'd love to have you in, in person as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and I look forward to seeing you next week. All right. Yeah, you too. All right. Have a good one. All right. Aw, Zach. <laughs> We've known him since, um, or I've known him since Pirate Cat days. Oh, really? Was he was here like a time before. I, I think he was uh, here be- even before me, probably. Probably. I know, well, when I was, the first time I met him, he was in another band with, um, this other guy who was like really awkward. Coffee <laughs> shop dropout. Yes. And, uh, and then that was the first time I'll have to ask him. Yeah, I don't remember. I think he might have been here before that. I think you're right, though. Um, and then since then, he's been here a few times with uh, Mm -hmm. a few different projects, and now he's doing great things and being an opener for Fantastic Negrito Mm -hmm. at the Fillmore, um, which is like the dream, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Fillmore is one of those places where if you get to play there. You know, you've done something great. You did something good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, he came to Pirate Cat slash PCR Collective slash Mutiny Radio all these years. Yeah. <laughs> it had so to here. pay off sometime. Yeah. That's that's how you that's how you make it, people. You just come to a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> just put yourself out there and he's you know, he's very persistent and talented, so it was only a matter of time. I yeah. Think. Yeah, for sure. But um, did you know that there's another room at the Fillmore that people perform in? No, I didn't know that till I talked to him. There's yesterday. a bar upstairs. Is it? That, is that where it is? I think there's another room where people perform, like in between some of the sets. Never been. Well, because I mean, when we go to the Fillmore, we're probably like front row, and we're there to see who we're there to see. But maybe I'll ask him, like, how do they even advertise that? Yeah. Because, I mean, otherwise, if we knew... I guess maybe you just know if you go there often. I don't know. I don't know. I've maybe. never even been upstairs, to be honest. I'm curious. I think we might have gone upstairs together once, actually. Maybe. To check out the bar. The posters. I the remember poster room, yeah. looking at the poster room. Yeah, it's in the poster room. That's what's called. Oh, okay. But I was like, what? How did I not know Is he this? performing there? Or is he performing... Okay. On the stage. On the main stage. Oh. He was like, oh, I'd be okay with the poster room. <laughs> oh, so he was like, I was kind of, yeah. Oh, I'm excited for him. Yeah. That's really, that's 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 actually, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine uh, performing at the Fillmore. I'm not a performer to begin with, but <laughs> I'm just saying. I have, uh, to, yeah. I have to do it like Lily style, like when, she was, when I saw her on yeah. her first tour, just... Yeah, just fucking taking shots, just shot. I just give me the whole bottle. Yeah, I can understand that, but I mean, it's it was her first time, you know, yeah. going for it. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. 
Yeah, and she started with MySpace, so uh-huh. that was rough. <laughs> Back in the day. So many good bands started off of MySpace, though. I think even, like, the Arctic Monkeys and stuff started off Did of MySpace, they? yeah. I mean, they were around the, the same time. Yeah. Right? Ooh, man. And now they're, they, they're themselves are like, coming out with a new album, or I think it already might have been out. Yep. I haven't really checked it out. Arctic Monkeys is one of those bands that kind of grew on me. I never really was a huge fan and i mean even though they had a few bangers like they had i think you go look at in the, in the dance floor and um mm-hmm. the new album that they had do you do i want to know and um they had all these other hits and i was just kind of like i like the other shit that nobody ever listens to like i like a lot of their more obscure songs that are, are kind of like bluesy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more you know they're not like your your typical pop rock stuff, but um, but it, it takes a while for me to get used to an album because every album of theirs sounds so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still haven't gotten into them, but I back in when there was Borders, the bookstore. Yeah, I would be in there pretty often, looking at a physical copy of The Enemy, and Arctic Monkeys would be in there pretty often. Yeah, but it never at any point was I like, oh, I'm gonna look into them more. But yeah. I they're they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I mean, I, I I can't say too much for their first albums, but their last um, album before this one called AM was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw them at Outside Lands, and they were pretty good performers. Like, I mean, pretty good isn't like they sound professional. Like, they pretty much to the T sound like they're a recording version. Oh, I'll have to give it a listen. <clears throat> yeah, give it a go. Well, anyways, make sure that you buy your tickets to see Zach Bateman and Fantastic Negrito, who is also a Grammy winner. He won a Grammy, um, not this year, but last year. Okay. And I didn't um, even know that. Mm-hmm. He's from Oakland as well, right? Yep. He's local. And uh, yeah, so make sure you're there. Uh, it's this Friday night. And then tonight, uh, Lydia Lynch is going to be doing... Um, pretty much covering her entire career it sounds like and i'm trying to think from you know the time that i've spent here in san francisco and even los angeles i don't remember if she's she's played she's obviously been here but i feel like in the last few years like it maybe it's only been once or twice but um johnny and i went to see bush bush tetris who was also from that scene um talking heads was more con- more punk and contemporary so i wouldn't say that they were part of that scene there's just not a lot of bands around anymore that that were from that scene it was very niche so it's going to be a treat for sure i wonder um, if she shops at search and destroy in new york probably <laughs> i could totally see her there that store was insane that was so fun i loved it yeah. what's what neighborhood is that, is that uh, a it's uh, the east village okay yeah. Oh, school. Yeah. I'm, I miss New York. I was kind of kind of hoping to go to go back this year, but maybe next year. Yeah. A lot of different things going on this year. It's insane. I mean, not to get off topic, but nope. it's insane oh, how sometimes plane tickets could be the same price to go to New York than yeah. to go to France or to go to yeah. England or to go. You know what I mean? It's like It's pretty crazy. It's like, wow, I'd rather just go out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> like if I'm going to spend that much money, I'd rather go to Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah. The first chance I got, which was 
last year i was boop, i was gone like i heard um oh my god i forgot who it was that they found like a 400 dollars round trip ticket to france and i was like what mm-hmm. that's so cheap oh i think we were actually looking at google flights and there was like yeah, yeah there was one for like like last week that was four hundred dollars oh wow that's insane it's a steal yeah it's a steal steal. you gotta gotta be on that um but right now my friends are in uh bangkok and i saw that my god it's so jealous it looks so much fun i mean it looks like they're having the time of their lives yeah it looks that's on my list for sure yeah thailand was kind of towards the bottom but now it's like now that you know what it entails you're like all right (laughs) bump it up beautiful yes and it's that's that's yeah i mean that's always the whole point of them going to thailand is that they could afford it <laughs> good call yeah. on their end yes well without further ado um let's listen to the interview i did with miss lydia hey, Ms. lydia are you still with me i'm here awesome well it's thanks so much for taking the time today to chat with me thanks for having the interest Absolutely. Well, I've been a fan um, probably the past 15 years or so, so I thought, why the heck not? All right. (laughs) Why the heck not? What we're here to do is talk to each other. Absolutely. Um, So tell me a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to recently. Well, I mean, I'm focusing on retrovirus. That's why we're coming to San Francisco, which is a retrospective of my massive 40-year musical so-called career. Um, I'm doing workshops for spoken word uh, in Berlin. I'm going to do one in August. I've just, I'm about to release an album called Marquesa, which is the philosophy of Desaad and my writings that have been influenced by him with music that I did. That's out in September called Marquesa. And I have a book of essays coming out called So Real It Hurts. So the usual, I'm doing everything. That's the only way to way to do it these days. <laughs> well, right after right after San Francisco, we go to uh, Australia and Tasmania. Which is oh, exciting. Nice. That's really exciting. We've been to Austra- I've been to Australia a few times before, and I've worked with quite a few Australians. And uh, but Tasmania, that's a new frontier. Well, that's really interesting. What is it like when you travel a tour abroad to other countries and? meet the fans over there? Well, look, I don't look at anybody as a fan. I look at them as individuals that come to the show because I guess they're seeking something they can't find anywhere else. I mean, I don't look at an audience like an audience. I look at them as, who the hell is this collective of individuals that decided to leave their house all on the same night? You know, it's not as if I'm a popular commodity that can inspire just... uh, Unknowing people to come out and and, uh, get their heads blown off in more ways than one. (laughs) Well, that's something we can look forward to this weekend. Um, Well, the band is so fantastic. It's really fun to, you know, a lot of the material that I'm doing, I mean, was never played live because, you know, the trajectory of of my musical career was I had a concept, I found collaborators, I found a way to document it. Sometimes we went on tour, sometimes we didn't. So, I mean, I have, you know, this pretty immense body of work, and a lot of these songs were just never even done live, so it's great to breathe new, violent life into these perverse little ditties. And what's your experience been like um, in the past when you've been to the Bay Area? 
Well, I lived in Richmond for two years, and I've been going to San Francisco since, I don't know, the late 70s, I guess. I mean, I don't know what it's like now because I haven't been there in a while. Every place is changing. Right. There's great people everywhere. I mean, uh, most places suck at this point because the economy is so not in the favor of any independent or or alternative people. I mean, it's just very difficult everywhere. But, you know, there's great people everywhere. We hold out. We're stubborn. We keep going. It's the spirit of the artist. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the spirit of, fuck you, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do, whether you like it or not. Absolutely. And we've all, faced, we've all faced that. Yes, I agree. I've definitely seen my seen my fair share. So if exactly. people... Mm-hmm. So if people want to find out more about you online, what's the best site for them to... Well, cross? probably my my Facebook site or my, my official website, NixLydiaLunchOfficial.net. You know, they've got a lot of stuff on there. I mean, you know, everything is online now. I mean, there's so many performances I've never even seen that I've done that are on YouTube. <laughs> I'm actually right, right now. I know. I mean, I guess I did that. I'm in the process right now of trying to sell my archives. I own everything I've ever done, which is very unusual for anybody who's... I I don't feel like I've been involved in the music industry. I did music. I was never involved in the quote-unquote music industry. I've always been, you know, I've never been on... I've been on one major... It wasn't even a major label, which was uh, um, Z Records, which, you know, I put out my album Queen of Siam back in the early 80s. But I've always released everything independently. Um... And we'll continue to do so. But so since I own everything, I'm in the process of trying to sell my archives to somebody that would form a digital museum so that people could just go, 1984, spoken word, what was she doing? 1992, music, what was she doing? That would be great. And I'm looking for someone to house this vast accumulation of stuff. I've done, I've done especially so many live performances in Europe with musicians that people have never, you know, seen or, or heard in America, which would be, and I have all the live footage, which would be great to get someone to, you know, pick that up. I just sent out like 46 packages as the first round. Good luck. So, it's, uh, someone might do it. Mm-hmm. Someone, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a load of work for anybody who wants to take it on because, you know, there's so many formats. I mean, also, you know, technology has changed a lot of things. So I've got so many formats. Of performances, VHSs, mini discs, uh, DVDs, whatever. It's, it's kind of an outrage. I mean, I opened the hard disk that was everything, and I just like kept closing them. I'm like, alright, enough. I'm still doing shit. I have stuff to do. <laughs> the story continues, right? <laughs> it does not stop. Somebody has got to be out there, you know, as a mouthpiece. So. Where do you where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Will you still be touring? Will you still be well? Of course, <laughs> of course, I'm going to continue to record, and I'm going to continue to uh, tour because, and especially, I mean, I think next year because I have this essay book coming out, I'm going to try to spoke uh, concentrate more on spoken word because it's so mandatory in this time of you know chronic, arrogant, bullshit, lying, predatory behavior, which I've been speaking about for since I started, since I opened my mouth. You know, everything I was complaining about under Reagan is exactly what it is now. It's, it's the same. I feel like I feel like a broken record almost, but the story remains the same, and somebody's got to be out there pro- protesting it. You know, I performed with Umar Ben-Hassan, who's 
one of the, the last remaining last poets. You know, the last poets were radical black poets out of uh, New York in the early 70s that did The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, and this is Madness. And we performed together in New York on Martin Luther King Day. And as Martin Luther King said, he had a dream, well, I have a fucking nightmare, and it's Donald Trump. That was my speech. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. We're living, funny, we're, we're living through it now, right? Unfortunately. Oh, it's to me, it's always been apocalypse forever. I mean, it's it's just... It's so outlandish and so outrageous. It's just to the nth degree. I mean, there has to be a backlash because it can't get any more hilarious and awful. You know, it's so awful that I just basically people are crying. I'm laughing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Well, thank you for, you know, talking about it and putting it out there and, and taking a stand because. I don't think that there's enough of that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's a lot of great writers on the Internet, and there's not, you know, when I first started doing spoken word, I mean, I think there's still the same small handful of people, like Jello Biafra and Exine Cervenka right. and Rollins, and there's, you know, and John Cooper Clark, and there's not many more. I mean, and it's needed more now than ever. I mean, the problem, too, with doing spoken word is there's not that many venues for it. I mean, it's far easier for me to do, like, I have this thing I do with Weasel Walter called Brutal Measures, and it's just drums and vocals. And we tour Europe a lot with that. And even though English is not the first language, they understand exactly what I'm saying, and there's venues to do this in. I mean, we did a tour of the, the Midwest. You know, there's not enough shows on the West Coast to come out and do this. We've done it a few times in L.A. But, you know, it's so mandatory for me to do spoken word because somebody's got to be up there with the bullhorn. Absolutely. Well, if you're ever in the Mission District of San Francisco and you feel the need... I'll be the one on the corner with the bullhorn. I'll be up the one on the corner with the bullhorn and the top hat. People can go to get, you know, my band camp page and hear a lot of stuff. Like, I have a band camp page, and Brutal Measures is on there, and there's a bunch of other early spoken word stuff. And, you know, I love that there's... I, I, I really like that people can just go listen to shit. And you know, listen to it for free. Donate if you want. Doesn't matter. I never expected people to be paying my rent, and they don't. You know, that's why I go on tour. But it's great to have Bandcamp and put a lot of stuff that, you know, I won't physically re-release again, but it's still there for people to go and. I would say enjoy. I'm not sure that's the right word, but why not? Why not? <laughs> they so, can scream their head. They can. They can let me scream their head off for them. There we go. <laughs> the outlet, the creative outlet. Exactly. Yeah. So what inspired you to become a musician and get into the spoken word realm? Well, I mean, literature inspired me to do spoken word, but there was no spoken word when I landed in New York in 76. It was, you know, it was the beat poets were over. Lenny Bruce was over. Patti Smith was doing a rock and roll poetry. And so I had to form a band first, and then I had to start curating my own spoken word shows, cause, which is at the same time that Biafra and um, Exine and Henry Rollins started doing it. They were on the West Coast, but somehow we all simultaneously started at the same time doing spoken word because it was on and we couldn't fucking take it. So, I mean, I had to literally, and I still do curate spoken word shows. I did, last year I did a four-month stint at the Roxy Hotel in New York, all women doing spoken word and out jazz. Um, so I continue to curate because you, that's, you have to do everything. Well, you're me, you just, you have to, you know, you just do it all. You want to do it, you do it. <laughs> 
that's the only way to get it done. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why you have your own podcast. Absolutely. You got that right. And, um, exactly. the, station, the station that I'm at was actually inspired by the Beat Poets in San Francisco. Um, Fantastic. Fantastic. There we go. Yeah. You know, I, I taught at the Naropa Institute with Ellen Ginsberg and Ann Waldman and Kara Wack. I mean, it's called, you know, the, the School of Disembodied Poets. I taught there a few years ago, which was great. And back to, you know, these workshops that I do, I'd love to do one in San Francisco. I've done them in Ojai, in New York, in, in France, uh, Manchester. And basically they're for women, spoken word workshops, like most women write, or you keep a journal or whatever. How do you take it to the stage? And I think this is very empowering for people. I try to do it exclusively for women because, I mean, why shouldn't we have covers? Yeah, mm-hmm. there we go. It's called from the page to the stage. So actually right when you called, I was just writing up a little blurb for this. Uh, for what I'm doing in August in Berlin at this pop culture event for um, spoken words. So. Mm-hmm. You think that people in Europe are more receptive to your to your projects? Well, they always have been because basically the venues are more. There's more different kinds of venues, and people don't try to pigeonhole you. They just consider you an artist. So, all right, if you're doing spoken word or you're doing illustrated word or you're doing music or you're having an exhibition, uh, they kind of view it just as what you do. So they're not trying to paint you as, you know, however they try to. I mean, I just consider myself as a no-wave artist because that's no, well, no-wave, let me define it. Audience unfriendly. Not that I'm unfriendly to my audience because they're individuals. Um, dissident, disturbed, um, and much to do more towards the surrealist or the goddess because we do deal with absurdity. The music is often that absurd. And I consider what I do, I still consider that I'm a no-wave artist. Um, I'm not post-punk. I'm not punk. I, was never, I never did punk rock music. Um, no-wave is outside of all of this. And it's only defined by how different it all is from each other. So if you go back to like the quote-unquote seminal No Wave album, No New York, which had the contortions, Mars and DNA, nobody sounded like anybody else, but we were also outside of everything else, and that was the connective tissue. Do you feel that yourself and women that were part of the No Wave movement were predating what's happening now in terms of, you know, women's rights and Me Too and all this? Well, I mean, the interesting thing about, okay, the interesting thing about New York at that period, I'm catching the late 70s, is mm-hmm. there were so many women involved in photography, filmmaking, music, art. And there, because it was post-60s sexual revolution, gender was not an issue then. You know, nobody felt that sex mattered, but your own sex didn't matter. You know, um, there's always been harassment and, and um there's always been antagonism, there's always been rape and violence, there's always been inequality, there's always been gender injustice, but within that circle of, of and, and that time, we didn't feel it, because we didn't let gender stop us, and there was no one telling us what to do. And if anybody dared to harass us, a quick kick in the nuts would have ended that story quite quickly. <laughs> We were not afraid to grab somebody. Oh, grab them by the pussy. I say grab them by the fucking nuts and twist. The story's over, honey. <laughs> Trust me. I don't care how big a bear is. You twist his nuts, he's going down. That's how we dealt with it. It's amazing. 
And do you feel like that mentality got lost somehow in the 80s? Oh, thank you, darling. Yeah, I do. I feel that people became precious. And it's bizarre because, I mean, we were so unhinged, didn't care, um, promiscuous, liberated, outrageous. And in, you know, what's happening now, look, the word has got to be out. We know. I mean, but I've been talking about the patriarchy raping the planet and everybody on it for many years. My first spoken word piece was called Daddy Dearest. I've been attacking this issue for decades. I don't like that it took so long for so many women to find their voice, to stream out into the void. This is what's painful to me right now. And also, I don't like, you can't paint the react of harassment or flirting or stupidity uh, with the same brush. Because people that have been traumatized and have been raped, that is really on a, a far side of the scale. From, oh, um, he grabbed my ass. You know what? He grabs your ass, he twists his nuts. It's really that simple. And I, I really, I'm, what's most disappointing to me is these were not children that were assaulted. Look, it is hard to fight off a bear. But I'm sad that mothers haven't taught their daughters how to defend themselves and that fathers haven't taught their sons that just because you came out of a pussy doesn't mean you have to keep trying to go back in there every day of your fucking life, kid. Absolutely. I agree. We know it's the golden garden of all mystery, but humble and respect. And women get tough. Mm-hmm. And that can be taught and that can be learned. Mm-hmm. And that should be taught to girls from the age of five. Somebody touches you and you don't like it, you scream in their face, you punch them in the nuts, you run away. No. If you get into a game that you know is skewered against you, where basically it's about being a high-paid call girl, you have to really watch what you're getting involved in, you know. That is not to downplay the need that this needs to be expressed, because it certainly does. The need, as we talk about, and people, especially rapists, need to be called out, for sure. Absolutely. It's a big well, we, subject, but, you know. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But and it's not every tough. story is the same. Not every story is the same. And not every action is the same. But it, it's it's got to be out there, and I'm glad it's out there now. But we also have to start taking some responsibility and teaching our daughters and sons responsibility. And also not to be so precious in the meantime either. We can't go from one extreme to the other, you know. Mm-hmm. Finding a middle ground. Yes. Understanding what reality is, understanding that it's far worse in many other places, but understanding in certain circumstances, you have to avoid getting into that circumstance. That's why I mastered the throat punch. Kind of all twist. <laughs> Did that two easy moves. Two easy moves, honey. Two easy moves. <laughs> <laughs> Did that come into fruition when you were living on the, the mean streets of New York? Uh, very rarely, because basically I would treat any kind of aggro with humor. I would deflect. It's funny because I saw Connie Chung give an interview the other day, and she was one of the first female broadcasters and Asian-American broadcasters. And she said when she was harassed, we're saying like the 70s, 80s, she would just say to them, excuse me, you're just not attractive enough to me. Shrink, <laughs> shrinky-dink. I thought that was such a good way of dealing with it. Oh, my gosh. 
I remember. I'd walk down the street and people would, you know, in New York in the late 70s, you were harassed every 10 steps. But you couldn't be a verbal boxer because you wear yourself out. So I would just go, that's right, baby. That's right. I know I look good. Keep going. You can't have none. You know you want it. See you later. And they would laugh. Confused. <laughs> you know, you got to, <laughs> you can't shoot every dog just because they're a dog. Put them in their put them in their place. <laughs> That's right, and some of them have to be caged, and that would mean prison. Absolutely. There we go. There we go. Um, so, who who inspired you, um, male or female, to become an artist? Hubert Selby, Henry Miller, Jean Genet, Marquis de Sade, Violet Leduc, which many people don't know in this country, but should look up. Unica Zorn, who was a surrealist writer. Uh, and nice men, writers mainly, because to me it's always been about the words, even though it's, you know, used to music as machine guns, machine gun to the bullet of my words. It's always been about the words. Especially these days with the, the Internet, the power of, you know, you know, I don't partake. I mean, I have somebody run my Facebook. I, you're my friend if you look at me in the eye and you want to talk to me. You're not my, my friend it's just because you push a button. I'm sorry. I don't do Instagram, Twitter. I don't work social media because I don't have the time and I don't have the interest. I want to talk to people directly one-on-one. -on -one. Then we'll see if we can be friends. Not just because you like what I like. It just doesn't work that way for me. You know, I'm glad that it's there and that people can feel more included in things, but I also feel it's highly addictive and it's disappointing to people and they get too caught up in bullshit and they lose normal communication skills, like how to react with real people. And that's what I do. I'm, I mean, I do intimate performances. I want to look into everybody's eyes. That's the bottom line. What's the craziest show that you've ever performed live? I don't know. There's just too many to call. I mean, I used to have a lot of... I used to have to... I used to have to, um, the word day, I used to have to insert violence into my show to prevent violence from happening. Because men, it was always men, drunken men, that would be aggressive or stupid. So at one point for a short while, and actually in San Francisco, um, I would have to insert, insert fake violence into my spoken word to prevent people from being idiotic. Men that would be drunk. Yeah, just to calm them down. Yeah. Do you still well, I guess one of my favorite, one of my favorite incidents I was, why, I must, I must have been an idiot. I was opening for the Rollins Band, spoken word, opening for Rollins Band at a flat bar in Cleveland, I think. And somebody yells out, show me your tits. Which, look, my tits have been plastered in a lot of my films. Uh, they're only tits, honey. They're only fucking tits. So I flash my tits, and I used to carry a police mag light and a blackjack because I had to for the smoke more shows. And I said, now, show me your dick. And the Rollins man pulled his pants down. And I said, that's why they call this a mag. That's why they call this a mag light. I need a magnifying glass to see it. No more heckling. Right. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that. Or uh, one more example. There was at this, um, I think this might have been in Seattle, I'm not sure. It was a festival called The Feminist and the Misogynist together at last. They didn't know what I was. I'm a misanthropist. I hate everybody equally, trust me. I hate as many women as I do men. I don't hate anybody individually. You know what I'm saying? 
some guy from the back goes, suck my dick, stupidly, when I tell him to come up here, he does. I took my black check out and whacked him in the neck. He fell to his knees. I said, now suck your own dick. No more heckling. <laughs> That's what I used to have to do. People know better now. <laughs> I think they've learned. <laughs> yeah. Learned a thing or two. I think that, people learned a thing or two. And what music? We won't have any of that nonsense. We won't have any of that nonsense here, Retrovirus. It's going to be, you know, it's like uh, the rock and roll of the apocalypse. Well, we're looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be at the Rickshaw Stop on Van Ness and Fell Street in San Francisco. Have you played there before? I don't think so. That's June 9th. That's this coming Saturday. Well, I don't know when this podcast is going out or if it's live. It's June 9th. Can't wait. Woohoo! Well, it was a pleasure talking with you and uh, looking forward to the show at the rickshaw stop and hearing some some old material as well as the new. Exactly. Thanks very much for your interest and have a great time. I'll see you there. Have a good time. Take care. Woohoo! Lydia Lunch, y'all. That was really interesting. I, I love a lot of her uh, one-liners. Yeah. There. Yeah, she was she was so interesting to She's to chat with. <laughs> <laughs> she had a um, you know, she had a lot of good stories too and I just thought it was interesting when she was like no way was different than punk. Yeah. Even though everyone tries to like pigeonhole and and group it together yeah. that there way. There there is a very 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 obvious difference between new wave and punk, but I think a lot of those bands just kind of to me Back then, what I think new wave was to people is like generalizing that type of music that wasn't normal, mm-hmm. that wasn't playing. It wasn't disco. Yeah, it wasn't disco. It wasn't pop. It wasn't you know what I mean. It wasn't um, R and B. It was. Uh, it was just they categorized all these different type like punk and um, and uh, post punk or you know whatever you want to call it under new wave. Absolutely. Well, actually, she was part of No Wave. <laughs> <laughs> just didn't to make things more interesting. Yeah. There was no rhyme or reason to it. it yeah. just It was just there. But um, yeah, there were a lot of... Um, there's a great compilation, if um, you don't already know about it. It's called No New York. Mm-hmm. And it was put out by a record label in England called Soul Jazz Records. So if you're interested in finding out more about people like um, Lydia Lynch, who was actually in a band called Teenage Jesus and the Jerks, they are featured on this compilation as well as some other no way backs from that era. So for me, it was definitely a good, um, you know, educational experience way back when. Yes. Because I mean... Bands from the punk era pretty much became pop, you know, became contemporary mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, a part of pop culture. But that didn't necessarily happen with post-punk or no wave or yeah. new new wave kind and of. And I did, don't think but. it sh- it should have happened. I mean, I don't think it, sh- it. They wanted it to happen. Yeah, I think they just wanted to be individuals and not just like a copy of what was popular back then. Right. You know, talking heads, pretenders. Um, Even the police. Ramones. Yeah. yeah. They became huge. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it was a, it was an interesting conversation. I knew it was definitely not going to be like some of the other interviews that I've done. And 
Um, thank you, Anthony Bourdain, for leading the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Being with us in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you guys haven't watched it, um, definitely. It was actually hard to find the clip, believe it or not. So find me on Facebook under my name, Asia Spearman, and you'll be able to, to see that see that clip because I feel like it should be more available but it's probably if people are able to access um you know his previous shows no reservations the layover parts unknown that that was the most current one that he -hmm. did um I mean they're all great but um I don't know parts unknown was pretty good yeah (laughs) yeah (sighs) Well, well anyways I don't know I if you want to be sad anymore. <laughs> I was real sad yesterday. Yeah, I know. Me too. Um, I think I, I still am, but I'm trying to see the see the the positive. Um, you know, see the positive and the negative. Like, yeah, think, let's, Go ahead. I was just gonna say it, it's good and it's better to think of not how he died, but how he lived. How he lived. Yeah. You know, think of he wasn't around. Think of. If he was an influence, you know, think if Iggy Pop wasn't around, like he wouldn't be around. Yeah. Um, and somehow Iggy Pop is still around and we don't yeah. know how. <laughs> he must have sold yeah. his goddamn life to the devil, dude. <laughs> oh, this shit. is so unrelated, but then yeah. it's really related. And yeah. I just, I was so, because I've seen him a few times now. Yeah. But I was fascinated by people in, a, I mean, I get like at a, like at a punk show or like hardcore or you know some mm-hmm. of the shows that I've been to in my day but there were people in Mosswood Park who were like jumping off of rails like yeah like I mean all they were gonna do was hit the ground but I was like these people are like nuts going for yeah, it yeah they don't give a fuck but maybe it's like a metaphor it's a metaphor for creative people who will do anything um, you know, take it, take it as far as it will go. Yeah. Um, you know, no limits, no reservations. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think a lot of, a lot of that comes from just overthinking stuff. Like I, I think they're just doing it. They're just having a feeling and they're just like, Oh, they need to get this feelings out by doing this physical thing, you know, or mm-hmm. traveling to parts unknown and, and, and putting myself in situations that are uncomfortable, but are so worth it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's a shame, but, um, but yeah, I feel like, and it's funny that we're talking about this funny, not funny, but I feel like Anthony Bourdain, his influence was definitely from punk rock because, you know, he grew up, you know, on the East coast, New York city, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, um, that whole area during that time. Yeah. And, you know, was really influenced by, by music, um, that was happening at the time. And I'm sure that that, you know, laid, laid the groundwork for, um, you know, what would happen next for him? What would happen later on? Yes, definitely. Um, I think his, I was reading something about it when he passed away, his favorite, um, deli decided to set up his favorite, his spot, his table with his favorite breakfast i should i'm gonna make a note of that because that looked real good yeah it was like scrambled <laughs> eggs with some sort of uh toast oh god I, it was just like a simple but good uh breakfast that he had there and it was just like so sweet that they kept it out for the whole day for him mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah um i'll have to watch the um i'll have to watch the la and the seattle episode just to get some ideas yes 
Definitely. Make a list on your phone. Where do I go to? Even though I grew up there, I always feel like I can, you know, learn something new. Like yeah. even some of the places he's been to here. Like yeah. I don't want to. I don't really want to go there, but I should. Should we finally try to make our trek to uh, Hong Kong Lounge? Yeah, <laughs> that was one of his place. One of his spots in yes. my neighborhood. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> There's um Lipo. There's like yeah. a bar called Lipo. Oh my god, the Tonga Room. The Tonga Room. Yeah. I still haven't been there. Me I know either. where it is. He's been. I never I never have. I literally it was one day when my gym was closed, so I walked up the hill to go to the gym inside of that hotel and then I I think I saw where the entrance to where it was and I was like, "One day. One day." <laughs> is that where you saw Josh home too? Um, no, that was at um the one on the corner, the Fairmont. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my god. We need to go. We I I've always god, wanted to go to Lipo and I Lipo, yeah. I heard it's good, but you're definitely going to get shit-faced. That's okay. <laughs> YOLO. Because those Mai Tais do not joke around, so I hear. <laughs> um, but the Tonga Room is one of those experiences that even though it sounds kind of cliche and kind of like, I don't know, it sounds goofy, I think I think it's worth it. I think mm-hmm. it's just like for the experience of being in San Francisco, something that you should definitely do, um, especially if you're by that, uh, what's that hotel called? Um, with the Tonga Room? Yeah. Um, not Mark Hopkins. Not, is it the Ritz? It's the one with all the flags. I forget the name of it. Oh, the the Weston St. Francis. No, yeah. it's not. No, it's like international. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know what it's called, but it's. <laughs> Let me just go down the list. The Hilton. <laughs> I live near all of them. The Marriott. There's Mark Hopkins. There's, what's the other one over there? There's the Stanford Court Hotel. I've stayed there one night. Fairmont. The Fairmont. Yes. I think the Kardashians stay there. Oh, well, excuse me. I know. <laughs> I don't know why the hell they... Because nice... Anthony Bourdain was there. <laughs> there's another... This is weird. I didn't know this, but there's a Ritz-Carlton on Market. Yeah. But there's also one, like, in my neighborhood. Like, when you walk, like... By the Masonic? Stockton. Yeah. Oh. Um, you know how there's the tunnel, but if you yeah. walk above the tunnel, yeah, which I never do, but I, I've seen it. But you can live in those, you know. Oh, you can? Because I think the one on market is a residential. So people oh. live there at the Ritz, but they also have the hotel version of it. I yeah. see. So that makes sense. I because, did not know. And the other reason I know this is because I used to, when I used to buy flowers, I've seen, you know, for my previous job, yeah. we used to get uh, weekly flowers. The flower lady would have to do a delivery every Monday to this woman who live at the Ritz. And I was like, she gets flowers every Monday? She's like, yeah, like she needs her flowers every week. She needs her flowers to live. <laughs> I need my flowers. And of course she lives at the Ritz because like, what wow. the fuck not, you know? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. But I'm like, damn, dude. Fucking, that's the dream. I mean, it's not everybody's dream, but I, I just dream about staying at the Ritz once in my life. <laughs> Yeah. One of these days. Yeah. I've been to The Ritz. Yeah. It's a venue. Oh. It's a punk rock venue, and funnily enough. They named it The Ritz. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's one, I don't know if it's this, I don't know if it's like the same name, like if it's a network, but there's The Ritz in New York City. There's. Yeah, I think it, I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Because the one in San Jose is like more like a punk rock kind of club, so I'm like, Okay. It's just like a fancy ass name, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think it's like like fucking Frank Sinatra and Shad made it famous. Something like that. Mm. 
Apparently, my mom is a really big Frank Sinatra fan. You know, I I got into Frank Sinatra. Mm, Who? Gro- Frank Sinatra. Maybe growing up a you little. Said it, she said it like with an accent. I said I no. Man. You know what it is? You said Fran. I'm slurring because my mouth hurts. Oh, sorry. <laughs> because, like I said, I have this wisdom teeth thing going on, oh. and it makes me slur. Fuck you, wisdom yeah. teeth. My the the left side of my mouth is not working very well. <sighs> um, Frank Sinatra. Yes. Uh, around like my Sinatra. early 20s. Sinatra. Sinatra. Did I say it weird? Yeah, you did. Oh, how do you say it? Sinatra. Sinatra. That doesn't sound natural. <laughs> Sinatra. I, I, I like Frank Sinatra better. <laughs> oh, keep it's, going. Uh, I think you made fun of me <laughs> before for this. Do I say his name weird? Okay. <laughs> Well, whatever, Frankie. Old Blue Eyes. I got into Old Blue Eyes uh, (laughs) when I was in my early 20s. And now I can't stand it. Now I just think it's so boring. Every song sounds the same. It's kind of boring. And he's. I could really get into it right now, but I'm not going to. Yeah. There's some songs that are pretty good, but I'm like, oh, I feel like I just heard this. I think it's just a different time. But if I were to listen to like Billie Holiday, yes, um, you know Sarah Vaughn, or you know somebody else uh, from that time, Ella Fitzgerald, she's probably my favorite from that era. I would just be like, I can listen to this day and night, night and day. Nina Simone, (laughs) Nina Simone, was she from the sixties though? Yeah, she was. Now you got me going, and we have two minutes. She, I went to Women in Rock, which is um, Richie Unterberger, who is a famous um, Bay Area rock journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty much, uh, you know, putting women that you would might know about, like the Pretenders, Nina Simone, uh, you know, Bridget Bardot. Yeah, you might have heard about them, but you didn't didn't really know anything about them. So he has this, um, uh, you know talk that he put together where it's just a bunch of video clips which you could probably watch online but he has all this background knowledge knowledge about it so I went to one of the the um, things that he did two weeks ago and I was just like wow yeah (laughs) he knows like a lot more than I would ever know yeah but I was curious to ask him I might ask him uh, because he has two more sessions that he's doing yeah why didn't you play Tina Turner yeah I'm kind of curious what he would say, but yeah. he's focusing on women in rock, so I yeah. assumed he would include Tina Turner, but he yeah. didn't. But he covered like um, most of this. It was mostly the '50s. He started like in the '50s with Wanda Jackson, and then he kind of went up to the early '70s mm-hmm. with like no, Nico, sh- and Tina should have been there. Janis well, Joplin. Maybe he didn't. He 